<laughs> Hello, boys and ghouls and killer NBs. Welcome to Pride <laughs> Month, the spookiest month what? of them all, where feather boas constrict the necks of unsuspecting children and the dreaded rainbow stalks the sky. And wow. what better way to celebrate this spooky Pride Month than with John Mayer, noted queer icon, John Mayer. That's right. <laughs> it's the John Mayer season, baby. <laughs> this is oh, Think Outside God. the Box set. And this is a... What uh, an angle. <laughs> completely inexplicable. Uh, this is going to be the jumping on point for some listeners, because it's the start of a season. I know. And, and in, that, in that regard, it's even better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, this is a podcast about learning to appreciate an artist that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. It's called Think Outside the Box It, and I'm Nathan Hunt. And I'm Cameron DeWitt. That's our old log line. I guess that makes sense to do that well, for the first episode it's of the an, new it's season. It's more of an explanation. Our, our actual logline is the internet's only outrage machine. <laughs> Thank you. At yeah. first you said it to sort of make fun of me, and then it really grew on me. <laughs> That's how most things happen. Like like saying bra or dog or yeah. any any number of like stupid things that I say. <laughs> Anything you start doing uh, jokingly, you start doing for real. Yeah, uh... Especially after last week's episode, I think that's one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. Um, just taking, just doing a total generation takedown <laughs> of, of the boomers because generation they've, body slam. they've gone uncriticized for too long, and especially yeah. their their interest in the song for what it's worth and their reverence for it. I'm glad um, we're the first ones to criticize boomers. I don't think that in talking about John Mayer, which. Which generation does John Mayer represent? Uh, Who the fuck listens to John Mayer? Oh, shit. I want to say it's our generation. I want to say it's the older millennials and maybe maybe the younger Gen Xs. I mean, he himself, I think, is a Gen Xer, right? The Gen Xer. Yeah. He was born in, what, the 70s? Yeah, we're, we're covering today yeah. his first album... Room for Squares, yeah, which is a baffling title that is not referenced in the album in the lyrics. No, apparently uh, it's a reference to a it... jazz trumpeter album called No Room for Squares. Interesting. So yeah. he's coming out the gate uh, self-deprecating, yeah, but he, also he's... being a hipster by referencing a, an yeah. album that his he listeners just, wouldn't know about. He just wants to show off that he went to Berkeley. <laughs> oh, God. Um. <laughs> Yeah, not, so not this the is his 2001 one. album, and uh, this is the one where Your Body's Wonderland is from, and No Such Thing, and I think there were a couple others that I had heard before. Yeah. St. Patrick's Day, I had um, heard that one. So we should maybe talk about why we wanted to uh, listen to John Mayer. Um, yeah, we had a we had a, a, little, a little survey to see mm-hmm. who we should talk about, either John Mayer or Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Janet Jackson was kind of more my idea, and John Mayer was more your your idea. And it, so John win. Mayer won by I'm, a wans- uh, a landslide. A landslide. <laughs> like the, a landslide. Um, uh, that means I'm the king yeah. of the podcast, and uh, yeah. I get to do whatever I want, which is different from how I normally operate. <laughs> normally, I'm so restrained. <laughs> I just want you to open up and say what you feel, Nathan. <laughs> I just want you to say dumb things. Come on. Why Why did you want to talk about John Mayer? 
Yeah. So Explain I, um, yourself. I, w- I was listening to another podcast, uh, which I know I, sorry, I'm cheating on the show, but I was listening to another podcast called you're wrong about, and they were, they were doing a quarantine book. How club long? <laughs> when were you going to tell me? <laughs> Never. It's going to keep it secret. Um, keep it safe. Uh, so they were, they were doing a quarantine book club, but they were reading, uh, jessica simpson's biography autobiography i believe uh and it was really pretty cool it made jessica simpson come across as like a fucking saint and way better than she was ever portrayed in any kind of media Mm. i had heard before uh and she famously on again off again dated john mayer for many years um and he comes across looking pretty bad in this autobiography And the, the 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 hosts on You're Wrong About the podcast um, were just really uh, pretty harsh on John Mayer. Um, I think deservedly, but they also are typically a bit more oriented towards like showing compassion and understanding towards people. Right. And John Mayer like ends up being kind of a villain uh, in. Most of his relationships, I think. He was kind of a villain in his Taylor Swift relationship. Sure. He's kind of a villain in, in uh, Jessica Simpson. And yeah. it made me think, like, there's John Mayer. He's super famous. Most yeah. people I know of, like, kind of write him off as just um, a smarmy uh, dickwad. And, uh, and sure. also, there's, like, a, a somewhat personal dimension of, like, uh, most people are, are well acquainted with... Uh, mainstream forms of toxic masculinity but yes i feel like the the tales of john mayer like writing super long emails to jessica simpson and then like correcting the grammar and spelling of her responses back to him uh there's a lot there that's like wow there's there's like this specific mutant form of toxic masculinity that is uh wrapped up in like the quote-unquote artistic figure or creative (laughs) person or whatever (laughs) yeah I feel like I may have uh, participated in some of that at some points during my life. It, it kind of reminds me of the concept of the uh, the Sigma male. Are you familiar with this idea? No. Is this the GE management philosophy, Six Sigma? Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> and I'm not going to ask any follow-up questions. Great. <laughs> um, no, this is uh, the Sigma male is is sort of like a a part of the manosphere that's been a little bit more. What did you say? Manosphere being like you know pickup artists, oh. alpha beta male, that kind of Gross. language and ideology, um, which is all very fraught and wrong and bad yeah. and toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Sigma male is sort of this. Um, uh, it's it's sort of this like idea about a a type of masculinity. That is more um, uh, defined by aloofness and separateness as opposed mm-hmm. to being at the top of a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think a lot of the reason why people are, you know, writing about Sigma males or um, identifying as sig- Sigma males is because uh, they've been sold these ideas of like, if you act like this, you can be an alpha male and it doesn't work mm-hmm. <laughs> um ultimately and then you know people get jaded with it and they're like well how can i like acquire any sort of power in this um you know in uh this system of patriarchy that is supposed to be beneficial to me uh, mm-hmm. as a man but uh but it doesn't seem to be working um and uh this is sort of the answer that um 
people have been coming to more re- more recently. And mm-hmm. I feel like John Mayer has some kind of like Sigma male, si- some Sigma toxic masculinity mm-hmm. because it is a toxic identity. Yes. And it's, it's this sort of, yeah, it's like the, like, Oh, I'm aloof and I'm self deprecating and I'm not trying to play the game of being an alpha male. Um, but I'm also going to like, uh, be equally or more problematic mm-hmm. <laughs> in my uh, presentation of masculinity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to like reach for an example in pop culture, and the first thing I thought of was like Wes Anderson characters, and I'm not actually sure if that would fit. I haven't watched them in a mm. long time, and I really wonder what I'd think of them now. I used to love Wes Anderson movies. Um. Yeah, I don't think I can think of like a pop culture example of a of a sigma male or yeah. of a John Mayer type. Uh, um, either one. I think I think often it's still very masculine coded in this. Like I think often like the cowboy is sort of like mm. a sigma male. You know, like that kind of, like an outside mm-hmm. outside character. Okay, yeah, that that kind of makes you sense. Know. Yeah, I but I think this kind of fits into into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, women, women want to sleep with him, not because of how much men respect him, but because of sort of how, uh, how sort of, uh, interesting he is. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the thing is that Sigma males are interesting men. Uh, it's the masculine mystique. I think they call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of like the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I've been, I couldn't find any of the articles, um, he did the, I think in 2010, he did a Rolling Stone and a Playboy article that we referred to in the, in late last season, um, mm-hmm. about like why we were interested in talking about John. Oh, Mayer. he really and, goes off um, the rails in some of these interviews. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's made me drops the N word talks about his David Duke penis. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like, I think he's one of these examples of, um, you know, uh, how cancel culture isn't necessarily designed to solve for pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are people who, well, first of all, I'm not as much defending John Mayer. Cause I think he fucking ran his mouth mm-hmm. and he said some very unfiltered things, uh, in very insensitive ways. Yeah. And he should be publicly punished and discouraged from speaking in the way that he does. He should be publicly spanked sp- on his bare bottom, and I should get to watch. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> I should get to do it. <laughs> um, there's actually we'll get to this, but there's a song about this that's foreshadowing that moment and yes, other moments it is. Uh, in yep. this album, mm-hmm. it uh, does. and maybe we'll talk about it more. But uh, yeah, he. Um, so. Before we get into the songs, I think we should just talk about those two those two kind of quotes because I think those are the most inflammatory things yep. that I've heard that he said. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the stuff about Jessica Simpson and being just like a a, a shitty boyfriend, yeah. like mm-hmm. I think that's worth criticizing too. Um, but I also feel some sort of degree removed from like saying that someone's identity is who they are in a romantic partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's part of the, part of him, mm-hmm. and that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was thinking about the David Duke thing. Mm-hmm. So I think what he's saying in the interview, I think he's, I th- I don't think he's proud of himself when he's saying that uh, 
he um, is racist in his sexual um, interests in women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's, if anything, and he says something like, I need to start um, dating separate from what my penis thinks, I think is what he says in the interview or something to that effect. I've, I've got I the think what he's trying here. to um, apparently yeah, the please. interviewer asked him, do black women throw themselves at you? Which is a hell of a question and a great way to phrase is that things. Playboy? From the get-go. Yeah, that's Playboy. Uh, yeah. I don't know who the, the interviewer was. And then he, he responds by saying, I don't think I open myself to it. My dick is sort of like a white supremacist. I've got a Benetton heart and a fucking David Duke cock. I'm going to start dating separately from my dick. Yeah, so, like, obviously there's some just, like, kind of gross locker room talk going yes. here. Cause, but I think at the same time, he's also sort of saying, like, this is, an, this is a problem. And yes. this is, like, I have a problem yep. of, um, you know, essentially he's saying this is an aspect of my objectification of women. Um, mm-hmm. That he's, like, looking for a specific type and to do, a, you know, to fulfill some sort of fantasy or whatever and the black women don't fit into that um which you know to me is like maybe women in general be careful around john mayer <laughs> he yeah. seems pretty problematic yep. um uh, yeah but anyway um i feel like what he's trying to say is like yeah honestly i think i'm like kind of racist um yeah and i need and i need to look at that which it which is interesting that he is being uh it makes sense that he's being punished for the way that he's talking. Yeah. Because it fucking sucks. Because he says it almost in like a braggy way instead of like a, oh man, this is like a confession. I have a problem. I'm ashamed of this. He's like, man, I got a freaking David Duke cock. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Right. It's so flippant and so bizarre that it's like, how, what are we supposed to read into this? Um, Mm -hmm. You know? And maybe, maybe he doesn't actually feel like he needs to change. Uh, Yeah. I mean, his his, I, his conclusion was he's going to start dating separately from his dick, which could right, be just which, like a weird joke. <laughs> it is, but it's like kind of funny. Like, I don't know. I think there's something that it kind of reminds me of like a, a couple of years ago when Liam Neeson uh, was being interviewed, like I think on a red carpet. And I don't know how this came, uh, how this got started, but he started talking about um, a an experience that he had of being a racist predator in, in his younger life. Cause his, uh, I think sister or best friend or something was sexually assaulted. I think in the story by a black man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he went to a black neighborhood or a bar where he thought he didn't even know who the man was, but he says in the interview. So I was just, I was ready to confront and like kill or beat up some black bastard. That's the words that he used. Mm -hmm. And like, he's telling the story in this very vulnerable kind of way. He's like, this was a really dark moment in my life. I'm not even actually sure. I wasn't expecting talking about this, but like, this is like a moment where I was about to make a big mistake because of like, uh, the, the way that racial profiling um, and racism can intersect with um, protecting women, which is like mm-hmm. a classic thing, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like that's a yeah. tale as old as time. Um, so it's like a really interesting be. story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
there's like huge backlash from it because people were hearing him say black bastard. Right. And they're like, he, Oh, Liam Neeson is racist, but the actual content of the story that he's telling is about how he is feeling disturbed at how racist he was in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, But people are like listening, like not listening to the whole story. And they're like, you know, they're latching onto one idea um, and not listening to the context. And then obviously he, he went on to, uh, (laughs) he went on to like, defend himself in some like pretty just sort of typical non-apology bad apology kind of ways after Mm -hmm. that because i think he just wasn't i think he was for some reason expecting better faith listening Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't think he should have told that story then i think he should have found a different way to tell that story if he needed to yeah um but obviously he hadn't done the internal work to like know when that was okay to process that. And I feel sort of similarly about John Mayer in this story. Also, he says the N word because, Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, the interviewer asks him what's what? Yes. The interview asks him. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Liam Neeson said the N word. I don't know why, but I'm so positive that he has. Um, Anyway, uh, the interviewer is like, what's it like to have a hood pass? Because like John Mayer, and I don't know exactly what the story is here, but apparently um, there is a narrative that he is um, uh, accepted and beloved in the, uh, in heavy air quotes, the black community Mm -hmm. of music fans or whatever. Um, And I think, so John Mayer says like, if I really had a hood pass, I would have an N word pass, but he says the N word. Mm -hmm. And I think his, response that response is actually pretty interesting because he's trying to subvert the question he's trying to say like i don't think i really have a hood pass yeah he like he is well he doesn't specifically he doesn't specifically say that he doesn't have a hood pass uh but he is right. kind of like he's, he's he says it's a contradiction in terms yeah He's like, and he's, and he's giving sort of this example. Again, he's being very flippant and insensitive, but he's, he's saying like, if I really have a hood pass, then I could like say the N word and it wouldn't be an issue. And then obviously he said the N word and it was a huge issue. And later on, he actually had a pretty good apology for it. I think in terms of public apologies, he says, he said something like, it was really foolish of me to try to intellectualize the N word um, and to use it Mm -hmm. because a word like that is so charged and can't be intellectualized because it's so intense for me to use it. And it's like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, yes, that's, that's a good takeaway for you to have and to include in your apology. Like, um, and then he says in his apology too, he's like, it, it's also a shame because I was specifically trying to like, <laughs> he's like, I was trying to do something else, mm-hmm. but it backfired in, in the exact way. Like, that I hoped it wouldn't. Um, so I don't know. I think he's interesting. I think he's, he's someone who maybe has some issues with filtering mm-hmm. and um, some ways that his privilege in his, like uh, in his um, accessibility as a, you know, cis male, white, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera mm-hmm. person, you know, that he's like, he thinks he can just sort of say anything, get uh, get away with anything, and ultimately he basically has. He hasn't been canceled yeah. for I mean, those things, and yeah. It is good that he, he ended that Twitter thread by saying, 
uh well i think he has a problem with being clear and like saying like he's he's trying to say too many things at once because he has a, a weird twitter thread he fought his very last thing is again because i don't want anyone to think i'm equivocating i should never have said the word and i will never say it again um yeah that's that's, that's great that's you need to that be that clear, clear john mayer <laughs> yeah um yeah it's uh boy i mean there's beyond just those two like inflammatory um comments there is like a bunch of pretty disturbing um stuff in the playboy um playboy i couldn't interview. find it so I, i'm not sure what else is in there yeah but i'm I've, not surprised it's hard to find the original text of it but i found some pretty long excerpts uh the interviewer asks it is true. A lot of rappers love you. You recorded with Common and Kanye West, played live with Jay-Z. And Mayer says, what is being black? <laughs> That's how okay. he starts answering the question as a white guy. It's making the most of your... And so he's going to define it for us. He says, it's making the most okay. of your life, not taking a single moment for granted. Taking something that's seen as a struggle and making it work for you, or you'll die inside. Not to say that my struggle is like the collective struggle of black America, but maybe my struggle is similar to one black dude's. What a Mm. weird thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. There's like something in there that's like maybe valuable to say if it's couched in like a million disclaimers. Yeah. You know, that ultimately is just saying like, yeah, there's some sort of like basic human experience stuff that I think all people understand. (laughs) Yeah. Ultimately, I think he's really bad at at framing things either, either unintentionally, or I think in this case, intentionally, like for him to try to define what is being black, uh, is like a horrible way to frame any kind of response to that question. (laughs) And we, we all know what it means to be black. If you, if you vote for Joe Biden, then you are black. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Or rather, if you don't vote for him, then you ain't, then you ain't black. black. Yeah. Yeah, but that's more specific. Yeah, it's that. It, yeah, it's it's sort of the opposite thing. Yeah. According to Joe Biden, and we, ha- you know, he's our president. We have to listen to. Him, yes, our so. president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, it, it, the thing is, I think a lot of people have a lot of these ideas that John Mayer has. Yes. And he just has an issue with how to with how to talk about it or when to talk about it at all. And I think that's kind of interesting because like somewhere in there it's like I think I see what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. There's something here that you could say that maybe could be valuable, but Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like again, it it goes back to the framing. Like if you framed it as like yeah, you know, it's impossible for a white person to not be racist because it, we're living yeah. in an overwhelmingly racist and white supremacist society. And I am constantly fighting against the uh, racism that has been programmed into me. And one yeah. of the areas that that occurs is in sexual attraction. And so I sometimes have to like yeah. catch myself, you know, absolutely frame it in those kinds of terms rather than be like, <laughs> David Duke penis. Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's like, Hmm, let me think about that question. There's got to be a way. <laughs> What's the most awful way I can... I figured it out. Yeah. Here it is. I've got it. <laughs> Eureka. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think it's like a charitable read of that statement would be what you said is actually what he means. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also... I think he's... I think he's kind of adorkable. Yeah. We talked about this before uh, in, like, Taylor Swift. 
um, and adorkable culture of the um, the first decade of the 2000s, mm-hmm. which is uh, the the idea that there is an, an innate um, virtue in quirkiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think John Mayer um, sort of jumped the shark in that interview because he's like, I'm going to be as quirky as possible and mm-hmm. and um, uh, express m- the way that my brain works um, as uh, dramatically as possible, right. and that that will be will be appreciated. And I think that was like the end of that. You know, I I think you're right. That's I when th- people are starting to make fun of quirkiness, and they're like, "That's not quirky. That's stupid." Yeah, <laughs> and you're smarter than that. <laughs> I think you're on to something. I think he definitely is doing that. I think he's also just kind of like pretentiously trying to show off how smart he is. Like yeah. his whole like weird trying to intellectualize the N word in a very <laughs> unclear way. It's like he, he's, he's simultaneously trying to be that like, Oh, I'm so dorkable. Oh, I'm quirky. And yet at the same time, you're yeah. like, Oh, well, uh, debate me. Like, uh, I'm very smart. <laughs> debate me, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like trying to be those yeah, two and things. It's like, and 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 there's something to be said for like the question of like getting to play with black musicians, you know, like um there's something in him that either doesn't feel grateful or doesn't feel that he can communicate gratitude publicly mm-hmm. or at all. And either either way it's like really alarming. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're not grateful, then fucking why? Like you play I mean, you play music that's referential to black music. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a BB King fan, you know, yeah. and like um he described himself as wanting know. to be a blues guitarist. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um and uh I you know, I think it's really lovely that he's <laughs> what 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 a gift to be able to to be invited, to be invited to the cookout, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um and like what why why is he unable to, you know, yeah, I guess he just thinks it's not cool mm-hmm. to be like grateful and to or to say something like, "Yeah, I'm I'm really happy that they think I that they want what I have to offer, and I'm you know humbled to be you know." Yeah, it's not quirky enough, <laughs> and it's like not pseudo intellectualized enough <laughs> to say something like that. <laughs> it's just it's so telling yeah. that that his response to that question is, "What is it to be black?" <laughs> that's like it's, that's where he begins. <laughs> yeah, any everything's up for uh, waxing, you know, philosophical about. I think this is sort of a Gen X culture thing, which is like, uh, you know, like the Trey Parker, Matt Stone, you know, like the like that era of content creators. Mm-hmm. You know, they sort of feel like it's cool to be aloof or cynical about everything, and as long mm-hmm. as you're air quotes like equally cynical Mm -hmm. uh, about everything or equally discriminatory against everything then it's not bigotry um or it's not problematic um and yeah i feel like you and i are sort of like the oldest um people to still have sort of a choice to like oh which direction are we going to swing Mm, um culturally you know because Mm -hmm. like family guy came out when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the people who grew up watching South park there, it's like, they're too far gone. They're mm-hmm. always going to be like, 
<laughs> oriented in that way, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I feel, I sort of wonder that about John Mayer. We should talk about songs. Are you ready we should to talk, talk about, about songs? songs? Yeah, let's talk about the music. Yeah. Um, I just, I just have three words for the vibe of this album. No, ra Jones. <laughs> That's what I kept thinking about. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is the male Nora Jones. And I'm a little bit into it because I, I kind of have a soft spot, soft spot in my heart for Nora Aww. Jones. Yeah. Do you know what this, do you know how I would describe this music? What's that? Adult contemporary. <laughs> this is possibly the most adult contemporary album we've ever covered on this. On this, yeah. Podcast. I mean, that's fair because Nora Jones is incredibly adult contemporary, right? Oh yeah, the most. Yeah, exactly. We should cover Nora Jones. Oh yeah, just that would so be I can really see sw- swoon. <laughs> She's like somehow Nora Jones has like this cheat code that helps me uh, unlock my uh, sentimental side. <laughs> That sounds lovely. We yeah. should do that. I want to <laughs> talk about aloof cool. You want to hear me cry into a microphone, Cameron? Is that what you want? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh boy. Well, John Mayer is not going to do it because uh, there's no such thing. So this is a no you shut up mom uh, style song. <laughs> it's pretty much literally uh, basically not not quite in those words but that is basically in the text of this song. Yeah. Um yeah, it it opens with welcome to the real world she said to me condescendingly. Um and then it becomes clear later that he is talking about his mama. Yeah. Man, uh, I just wasn't expecting that John Mayer has mom issues. That really took me <laughs> off guard. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome to the real world. Um, but he just found out there's no such thing as the real world. He did. I think there's something nice about what this song is in a vacuum, which is this this youthful idea of... You know, uh, you're in school and in your communities, you're prepared for this, like, you're, you're fed this lie about what you need to do in order to succeed and how you will be rewarded if you behave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you actually get pushed out into the real world, um, none of that stuff holds up, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. uh, uh, I think you and I are like pretty, you know, we're, we're the generation that's like, or a generational example of that, you know, like the, um, the huge, uh, recession happened mm-hmm. like right when we graduated high school, mm-hmm. you know, that's when we're supposed to enter the workforce, um, or to get our summer jobs or our during college jobs. And there's fucking mm-hmm. nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just remember sort of feeling like, this is what I was you were preparing me for and yeah. saying that should be so easy. This is what <laughs> I, I was supposed I'm to get really a college degree yeah. for is like working yeah. part time at a winery. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Which we uh, both did. <laughs> I was a really bad employee, though. I was not ready for the real world to the yeah. extent that it exists. <laughs> so I, I think there, there's something in here that is valuable, which is this, um, yeah, this idea that um, I think there is a we live in a society aspect of this song mm-hmm. uh, that is um, that is true. Yes. Um, the thing that bothers me is this, the Sigma maleness, the John Mayerness, the smugness about it. Mm-hmm. But I think in the smugness, there's a little bit of like kind of, kind of pleasant. And I think self-aware um, wish fulfillment. Yeah. There's something about, I want to run through the halls of my high school. I want to scream at the top of my lungs. This is like, a very this- young song. Yeah. This is written from the viewpoint of, essentially being in high school and it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if it was written when he and his writing partner uh, clay cook were in high school um interesting i didn't know he had a writing a writing partner yeah so the the story of clay cook apparently uh gleaned from wikipedia is that he and clay cook um well clay cook uh went up to boston he, sh- he shipped up to boston and he grabbed john mayer and he's like john mayer you need to drop out of berkeley and move down to atlanta with me and we'll be in a band and they did that for right. a year or so. And John Mayer wanted to move in a more pop direction, so he went off in a solo career. But gotcha. this album uh, features several songs that were co-written by Clay Cook. In fact, he has the first gotcha. writing credit Clay Cook does on yeah. this song. Um, um, just a little aside, uh, Genius Lyrics changed their layout, and I really don't like it. Um, oh, I still have the old layout. Really? I have a new layout. Oh, did I do something wrong? Every website, yeah. anyway, all changes, of the annotation stuff is at the bottom. Oh, gross. <laughs> so I have to b- scroll all the way down. It fucking sucks. That's the um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I think there's something nice. I just can't wait till my 10 year reunion. I'm going to mm-hmm. bust down the double doors. And when I stand on these tables before you, you will know what all this time was for. Um, I think I that's hope like a that's sentiment, sort of tongue in cheek. <laughs> well, that's not, the thing. It's it, an like, insane thing to say. <laughs> it's not a very flattering thing to say. Yeah, but I think it's a very true thing to feel. And if you read yes. it as a vulnerable thing that is self-aware of, like this kind of sucks that I'm saying this. <laughs> I think that it is actually nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it does kind of come across as a maybe not very self-aware. I wonder if uh, John Mayer didn't write those words and is not self-aware about them. Yeah. Uh, we also got to talk wait about- to look all you normies in the face <laughs> 10 <laughs> years from now. Yeah. We also got to talk about this bridge and it looks like you have a sound sample of it. Yeah. We got to talk about that. Okay. I am invincible. I am invincible. I am invincible as long as I'm alive. Yeah. It would be kind of funny if that was a joke. There. <laughs> what was that? I, it has to be a joke, right? I can't tell. Or not for not a ha-ha joke, but like, it is clever, I think. I I wouldn't be surprised if John Mayer was trying to express some sort of weird convoluted idea of like, I'm only right. alive when I'm like pursuing my art and when I'm like really feeling engaged and like being right, right, right. me. And when I'm doing that, I'm invincible, baby. 
Yeah, as opposed to like saying I'm invincible until I get hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Th- um, this could have been like <laughs> such a a sweet and like self aware uh, song about adolescence, and I I just don't really believe John Mayer's delivery of it to be sweet and self aware. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about music a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The the non lyrical parts. Uh, so it is interesting to listen to a a very chord progression centered artist again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, his songwriting is very much like a a Berkeley songwriting student. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm, you know, like on principle, when I go to the bridge or between the verse and the chorus, I'm going to try to change keys. I'm going to try to do harmonic ambiguity. Um, that's sort of the it's a transparent goal of the music mm-hmm. to have diatonic music, predictable music, not like jazz, um, you know, to have pop music, but to have it move around, not in a way that's dissimilar to like a queen mm-hmm. or, a, um, I don't know, any sort of prog group. Mm-hmm. Or, um, when I say a queen, I just mean Freddie Mercury. I mean, queen. Right. Um, Happy that being said, I, I enjoyed some of that stuff, the chord progression stuff. Uh, but I also sort of feel like I don't really want to hear a major seven chord or an, an add nine chord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, unless it's like in a rootless voicing played by a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. And I almost never want to hear jazz anyway. <laughs> so like, I, there's something about, this is a very like, this is a very personal, non non-objective statement, but like these these kind of like jazzy voicings mm-hmm. that are in this song, kind of irritating to me. Um, you know, he's playing. I got. I actually have a guitar here, and which will be great for jazzy voicings instead mm-hmm. of my normal. Uh, let me just pull out the banjo. It's a lot of voicings. You know, it's it's like like that, or like well. Like little things like that. It's like, ah, that's just like jazz E. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if it was, um, if I was at a piano, I could do this better. But if it was like actual jazz music, like, you know, the guitarist would play a cluster of notes that didn't have any of the triad notes in it, maybe a third. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he would, uh, they would leave the, I, I guess I'm saying he, as in John, would leave the, um, the outlining of the chord um, or the um, the disambiguation of the chord to the other musicians, to the melody, to the bass, etc. Um, yeah, so like that kind of thing is just like kind of annoying to me. Um, I think the best example of this is the chord that com- goes right into the chorus, which I know you have a sound sample of, um, mm-hmm. just the one we already listened to. So I'll I'll say this one. When, when you get to it. Okay. If you want to play it again. I am not this one. Not this. I am not oh, this. Shit. Sorry. Sorry. The one that you took. The wrong page. Whoops. Discord. It's coming around again. This one. Yeah, there's there's nothing actually structural happening in that 
chord in those chord extensions. Um, it's just jazzy, mm-hmm. but typically in jazz, the chord extensions are there to add tension and direction. And that's just chord extensions on a one chord. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's nothing actually like dramatic happening there. It's, it kind of gets back to like, I've talked about like, you know, your Jack Johnson's or mm-hmm. similar songwriters, you know, it's just like this, like, oh, this is here to just like signal smoothness. Yeah. <laughs> Real it's the opposite jazz. of tension, which is very not jazz. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of speaking outside of my jurisdiction. I'm not a jazz musician. I took six months of jazz piano <laughs> in college, mm-hmm. just enough to understand um, that I'm not a jazz musician. And I don't actually like jazz, not dissimilar to like, you know. I feel like that's where John Mayer is. Like, I don't think he actually <laughs> yeah. wants to be a jazz musician. I mean, know? he dropped out of Berkeley after a few months. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so real quick, how do you feel about this sort of jazziness of uh, someone like Nora Jones? Do you also like kind of dislike the jazzy approach? Uh, I feel probably similar. Um, I feel like she's she kind of earns... I feel like there's more actual jazz content there mm. and the musicians that she plays with seem to be uh, more skilled instrumentalists mm-hmm. or like in that particular idiom and not just like in a rock band. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, still, yeah, I basically feel that way <laughs> about Nora Jones. It's a very subjective thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Okay. It is a personal judgment, not a, uh, not a, uh, not an appeal to authority or anything. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to? Why Georgia? Or- why Georgia? Why? Sometimes about the outcome of a stillness life. Am I living it right? Am I living it? I remember this song too. Yeah, I've heard it before also. Um It's a very sleepy song. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a an Alanis Morissette ass lyric? Because I wonder sometimes about the outcome of a still verdictless life. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> it's it's slightly less convoluted, I think, than Alanis, but it's definitely got an Alanis uh, energy to it. Yeah. <laughs> And just the like the the sheer like anti uh, anti poetics of the like wording and the rhythm of the language and like <laughs> anti poetic yeah yeah the like crashing of the consonants against each other because it's, I it's wonder barely sometimes. prosaic yeah <laughs> it, yeah. it kind of fails at being prosaic or poetic I, yeah because I wonder sometimes about the outcome of a still verdictless life yeah the the attempt to do like way too many things at once um. Yeah, I am driving up 85 in the kind of morning that lasts all afternoon, just stuck inside the gloom. Four more exits to my apartment, but I am tempted to keep the car and drive and leave it all behind. Um, And apparently, according to the Genius Annotations, uh, he was on his way to a show and he realized he he had left his guitar behind and he was going to have to go back in Atlanta traffic, which Atlanta traffic is really bad. Yes. Uh, But this song should be angry and like... Yeah. 
He should be like, ah, yeah. fuck, ah, shit, ah, I hate this. This God sucks. Fucking damn it! Not again. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, instead, he's like, I wonder s- sometimes, what does it all mean? not always, about what the outcome of a still verdictless life. <laughs> There's like one poetic idea there, the idea of a verdict in his life. Like that's oh, that's a, maybe interesting. Maybe. But what if you just bury it? Right. But also, in, like, <laughs> is it at all meaningful to talk about the outcome of a life? And and then also just like the wishy washy way to say because I wonder sometimes, not 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 yeah. all the time, just every once in a while, I just sort of ponder just a little. <laughs> it I just kind have of a matters think. to me. Yeah, enough to write a song, I guess. About the outcome of a life. But the, the life is still verdictless, by the way. I, I can kind of see what he's going for there. Um, elsewhere on the album... Oh, no, it is in this song, actually. He talks about it might just be a quarter-life crisis. And I think this is yeah. this is something that a lot of people go through in their 20s. I certainly did. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. when am I going to feel legitimate? Uh, like, especially you know, Gen X and our generation, and obviously the generation after us. Like, we didn't have the kind of lifestyle that most baby white baby boomers got to get where you graduated from college. Good and, save there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we graduate, not from college, you graduate from high school and you go work at like IBM or something and you make 60 grand a year, uh, in $1972 or whatever. Like we, we can't just like go from high school to this thing. And, and the, and we don't have that kind of like legit legitimacy, uh, that is blessed upon us of having a, well-paying job to sustain ourselves and yeah. buy a house when we're like 22 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I get this like feeling of like, yeah, when do I, wh- when am I, when do I arrive? Like wh- when does the real thing yeah. start? You know, um, I met, you I spent, arrive when you go back through Atlantic traffic, get your guitar and get back on the road, get back on the road. Also who goes to a gig and forgets their guitar? <laughs> yeah, that is stupid. That's pretty, that's <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> If the song was about feeling incompetent, yeah, uh, and just like unprepared, that would be too vulnerable, I guess, for John Mayer to to sing about. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, this chorus is like about as bland as it gets. Am I living it right? Am I living it right? Am I living it right? Why Georgia? Why? Um, if you're saying why Georgia? So- why? I want you to be mad. <laughs> Not just sort of like, why, Georgia, why? Yeah, there's been um, more powerful songs about Georgia. There's not really a take here about Georgia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and he like puts it in the title of the song, and Georgia's got really nothing to do with it. Yeah. Uh, so this song, I think part of the reason uh, that it's sleepy is actually because of the harmonic ambiguity. But again, it's kind of harmonic ambiguity that doesn't cause tension but it creates a sort of floating feeling which to be fair i think is the idea i think this song is supposed to feel sleepy i think this song is supposed to feel sort of philosophical and just sort of put you in that mood and that's probably why a lot of people liked it Mm -hmm. i do not care for this but i think that i think that is its goal and i think it is effective at achieving that goal in mm-hmm. the listener, putting you in that sort of state of mind. It's a real Jack Johnson Again, song. I mean, yeah, I think that's sort of the vibe of it. So I think there's some interesting stuff. Um, yeah, harmonically, the uh, the verse is um, is in G, 
and then it transitions really quick with an A7 chord to Am I living it right? Um, but that's the tonal center of the rest of the song mm-hmm. is in G. Um, so, uh, yeah, it has a different key for the verse and the chorus, um, but not in a way that is... It's not in a, like, we are the champions kind of way. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. just like, oh, yeah, we're taking it up. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's in more just like, oh, well, the, you know, we're we're taking a, a step over here, looking at it from this perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been do- I've been releasing the show in stereo lately. So now. Oh, really? People can actually, I can kind of play with that a little bit more. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't do it on purpose. It just sort of started happening. Oh, okay. <laughs> um but, uh, yeah, so I think maybe the most actually dramatic part is for the bridge. He um, uh, goes to the key of F and just sort of does this, like, Louie Louie in F. <laughs> and then he abruptly does a Louie Louie in, in G. Mm. So it's not the most interesting, but it is arguably the most dramatic part. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to play that bridge? Yeah, sure. Here we go to F. So what? So I've got a smile on, but it's hiding the quiet superstitions in my head. Don't believe me. Don't yeah, you can cut it off here. Me. Yeah. Apparently, I took too long of a sample. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that. Uh, I think that's effective and more dramatic uh, because the key of F is a very different key, has very different notes in it than the key of G. Mm -hmm. The key of G has an F sharp and the rest are natural notes. The key of F has a B flat and the rest are natural notes. So it has two notes that are different. Instead of a B, it's a B flat. And instead of an uh, F sharp, it's an F natural. So it there is some drama there because it's a big shift. Mm-hmm. However, the difference between a verse in G and a chorus in D isn't as dramatic because um, uh, the key of G and the key of D is only one note different. And uh, that's the key of D has a C sharp in addition to an F sharp. Mm-hmm. Key of G just has an F sharp. So they're very related keys and the, there's not as much drama there. There, you know, the uh the key of F is like two spokes of the uh circle of fifths removed. Um whereas the key of D is the next one down in the circle of fifths. It's very uh very closely related. Um you could make it more dramatic of a key change if you really leaned in to some uh, harmonic tension, but he he really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to play your sound sample, not the one that we just played, yeah, but the one the first one from the song, and we can I think because that takes you from the verse to the chorus, yes, or maybe the pre-chorus to the chorus. The C chord, E minor, D. G and then A and new key of D. So again, I think it is effective. I just don't particularly care for it. 
And I think the effect it has isn't one that I want. But I think it, I think people could use this song to mm-hmm. have a specific feeling that John yeah. Mayer probably intended them to have. So in that yeah. way, I would say effective songwriting. Yeah. Um, we should probably be moving a bit faster. Um, we're on song yeah. two. <laughs> We have uh, we have to talk about my stupid mouth. Yeah, we should talk about my, your body is a wonderland. Other than that, um, hmm. we should maybe talk about great indoors. Maybe yeah. There's like I feel like the 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 hits are all front loaded. Yeah, and yeah, the back half of this album kind of peters out. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's let's listen to if uh, you can my, imagine that. <laughs> yes, my stupid mouth. So, one thing that John Mayer does that's interesting in these songs is at least the way that the genius annotates them is he plays around a lot with like what's the bridge what's the chorus what's the verse uh because at least according to the genius this song goes verse one bridge verse two bridge and then chorus um so i took a separate sound sample of the chorus also so we can listen to that great i guess i better find one So pretty cool. I mean, it's very funny that he says, I'm never speaking up again. It only hurts me 11 years before he uh, calls his penis, David Duke and drops the N word. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I think this is the, that's the same sound sample that I took of that. I labeled this is a trope now because this is a thing that people say when they are resentful for getting in trouble when they say stupid shit. It's playing the um, martyr. Yeah. It's like, well, I guess I'll just stop talking. I guess um, I just because, don't get to talk. I, I'll just never yeah. even talk again. And it's like, these people don't realize how much they're talking and how much space they're taking up. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, yeah, you should probably talk less and listen more. And <laughs> maybe, and maybe have different rules for what you say to different people. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that, um, people of any level of marginalization had to find out to survive way longer than you (laughs) before you met them. You know, Mm -hmm. like this is a thing that is a survival skill and an essential skill for everyone, but the most privileged people like Mm -hmm. John Mayer. Yes. People who get to go to Berkeley and drop out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then become a multimillionaire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Berkeley at a notoriously expensive school that very few people actually stay through <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's so expensive. Um, and because people like the idea of going there and succeeding there and often don't because mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of a racket. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, you're right. It's like playing the martyr. 
Um, I've called people out on shit and had them respond that exact same way. I guess I'll just like stop talking. It's like obviously you shouldn't stop talking, but yeah, you should. S- how about how about let's split the difference you and you just less. mostly stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. the majority of stopping talking. Um, I do think there are some uh, pretty specific and effective lyrics in the verses yeah. of this song. Um, he grounds it very much in a specific scene. Uh, he says, my stupid mouth has got me in trouble. I said too much again to a date over dinner yesterday. And I could see she was offended. She said, well, anyway, just dying for a subject change. Um, yeah, I wish he would have told us what he said. Uh, he, he doesn't <laughs> do, do you? <laughs> well, he doesn't seem to be aware. He, he doesn't. Okay. The whole outlook of the song is like, Oh, uh, I definitely had no malice or bad intentions in my heart. And I just said something completely innocent and it was totally misinterpreted. So I guess I'll never talk again, which is a fundamentally shitty. I think, I think, I think he made like a Monica Lewinsky take. I think he had a take on Monica Lewinsky. That's what I think. That's my theory. Cause it's 2001. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he said something just awful about women that he didn't, know or think was awful and he's just like oh this lady she's just like really sensitive i guess that's kind of like the vibe i'm getting off of this um yeah that that is an aside in my uh in my little little uh uh going through and talking about how these lyrics are actually like pretty good um yeah verse two we bit our lips she looked out the window rolling tiny balls of napkin paper i played a quick game of chess with the salt and pepper shaker and i could see clearly an indelible line was drawn between what was good what just slipped out and what went wrong okay so the last half of that verse kind of sucks and is like way too abstract but i really like the images of the rolling tiny balls of napkin paper and playing a quick game of chess with the salt and pepper shaker lovely those are way more impressive than knowing that john mayer knows what the word indelible means exactly yeah and i could see clearly an indelible line was drawn like oh that's just like so cliched and so abstracted and not good yeah um yeah game of chess with salt and pepper shaker it's great because it's like black black and white white. and you're you're sort of like fidgeting you know maybe you're at an italian restaurant that has that like gingham table cover with the alternating red and and white (laughs) squares yeah you know he's like i know how to pivot away from this (laughs) let's play chess. check this out (laughs) we're gonna need some more salt and pepper maybe checkers (laughs) yeah <laughs> this is the queen's gambit <laughs> you, you don't know it now um, but your kids are gonna love it <laughs> uh yeah so the um this song has a fake out ending and then it comes back with what i uh labeled as the inevitable doubling down it's in the sound pretty sample. bad yeah yeah so let's listen to that yeah Oh, that's the end, right? Yeah. Wow. Last gun. Oh, wait. One more thing. One more thing. Oh, no. Captain He's got a real Macklemore like energy to that verse somehow. <laughs> This like really smarmy, 
uh, like trying to be self-aware, but absolutely not being at all. Uh, yeah, there. It's like almost. It's almost vulnerable mm-hmm. because he's saying like, I just. I'm, I'm trying to be funny. I'm trying to be liked. I took it too far. Like this is maybe a problem that could be solved with some like looking inward and feeling that, you know, value in who I already am or what I have to offer and not trying so hard, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like he almost kind of gets there, mm-hmm. but he's couching it in. This is where I get the like adorkable thing. You know, he's like saying like, well, you know, ultimately the reason I'm being so problematic is because of how um, endearing I am. <laughs> exactly. If if any, you know, at the end of the day, it's because of all of these things that everyone loves so much about me, and this is just a natural consequence of those things. And you kind of got to accept it because the rest of me is pretty great. <laughs> and this is just part of it. Fire and ice, baby. Yep. You know, exactly. that's like his take in this verse. Yeah. And, uh, it seems to have worked. This is his first album. He's made many more. Yes, exactly. He gets, he gets so self-pitying. Looks like the joke's on me, so call me Captain Backfire. Meh. <laughs> Ugh. Do not like that. All right. Uh, yeah. Let's get to the his biggest hit, I think, to date. Your Body is a yeah. Wonderland. Swimming a deep sea of blankets I take on your big flag Right, so this is uh, the the sexy Jack Johnson song we never got. That's literally about sex and rolling around and <laughs> using hands on each other. <laughs> he literally uh, says, "I'll I use my he, hands." Ah, I wish he used a different uh, a different body part each time. I use my ears. <laughs> I'll use my chin. <laughs> Before, <laughs> hey, there you go. Uh, that's creative. I wouldn't wouldn't have even thought to joke about that. But mm. now you got me thinking. <laughs> chins, um, right? Chins. <laughs> When's the last time you got a chin job? Um, <laughs> Nathan. I got a chin. It's not a rhetorical fish. question. <laughs> I need you to answer on record. Um, we have to read this quote before we talk about the song anymore, because he has the, the ultimate take on this song. Mm-hmm. It's not about hot girls. It's about a girl who does it for you. Mm. People always thought that was a makeout song, but it's really about loving every part of someone like they're a jungle gym. You know how you love every part of a jungle gym? <laughs> Just deeply in love with it. <laughs> uh, the monkey bars. Oh my god, the Whee! slides. Oh, I love it. I'm going to use tiny my hands. Rock wall. <laughs> um it's not just tits and ass and pussy. <laughs> Sex is so utilitarian. Excuse me? Foreplay is like a 64-count box of crayons and a couple <laughs> different types of paper. What? <laughs> and here's the last... Here's the nail in the coffin for me. And I don't know how I... F- After hearing this quote, I do not know how I feel about covering John Mayer anymore. <laughs> Yes. 
Because somehow this is even more offensive to my sensibilities than the quotes we've already discussed. Yes. Here's what he says. Sex is like banging a Coke can with a mallet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What, John? Uh, Uh, No wonder you can't have a long-term relationship with someone that doesn't end in them hating you. (laughs) This is your approach? Yeah. It's so... That's like the straightest... Yes. Thing. <laughs> it's the most heard. like hetero uh compul- like compulsive heteronormativity like stuff of the only thing that counts as sex is uh, aggressive penetration thrusting of penis in vagina uh that is yeah. mostly focused on the uh, penetrator. Also, I want to say there's a, there's shame. There's inherent shame involved here mm-hmm. in this quote. Yeah. And it's it's the equating of um, a, a penis as like a, a violent object, yeah. And like using a penis to penetrate is an inherently violent act, and that's like what pa- patriarchy wants us to think that, yeah. And wants men to feel ashamed of their anatomy, um, and that's this is this is feeding into that idea. And it's like, but if you look at this outside of patriarchy. If you look at this in a vacuum, the idea of banging a Coke can with a mallet, that sounds fucking fun. It does sound fun, doesn't it? <laughs> what's what's wrong with that? That sounds great. Like um just go to like a, a, a ha- abandoned golf course, put a Coke can on the tee, <laughs> get like a croquet mallet and just fucking go for it, dude. Yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. If you're obviously ashamed, you, yeah, it's like a this is a statement of shame. Yeah. Um that it's like Come on, dude. Like, this I, is really rough to, to hear. I feel like it's he's like 30% of the, w- of the way there to realizing, like, wait a minute. It doesn't have to be this way. This doesn't have to be what just the word sex means to me. Like, you know, he, he's like, he's, he's taking a tiny little baby step, maybe. Yeah, because he, he is talking about, like, oh, I'm going to have sex that is, um, he's talking about trying to escape um, a, a heteronormative view of sex a patriarchal view of sex right but he's so clearly still inside it in the way that he's talking about it yes absolutely he's he's trying to appear aloof of patriarchy but he's so obviously still under its foot yeah also i just love that he he tried this like this uh simile foreplay is like a 64 count box of crayons and he, he didn't think that 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 was like powerful enough or like didn't give him enough options and there's a there's a couple couple different kinds of paper yeah not just the 60 not just the 64 cranes a couple different kinds of paper wow there's like a like a card a card stock i guess i wish he had just kept developing the metaphor like a lot more i didn't go to art school (laughs) sometimes i use tracing paper you know Three by five, different sizes, eight eight and a half by eleven, yeah. eleven by fourteen. Also, it's such an infantilizing like yeah. crayons. Yeah, you and paper. Yeah, you really had to and glue sticks and glitter. Like, you, you, yeah, <laughs> you are a little boy. You, you had to go <laughs> like, to the, like kindergarten craft room to like come up with your sex similes. <laughs> Again, I love crayons and paper. I love banging a coke can with mallet. Uh, you know, like all of these things, but like the things that these say, <laughs> the implications that these yeah. have on John Mayer's brain, I think are really sad or yes. troubling. Uh, we should talk about the text of the song. 
Uh, I like that there is some uh, foreshadowing in here of his later interviews uh, in that we know that this is song is explicitly directed towards white women only. Uh, yep. One mile to every inch of your skin like porcelain, one pair of candy lips and your bubblegum tongue. No black or brown people. I love how also it's just like garbage candy and a toilet. That's what I'm comparing you to. <laughs> um, I actually have a sound sample of uh, of that lyric. Oh, it's the one that says, um, "This is fucking gross." <laughs> Ew, don't chew on her tongue, dude. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... I don't know. I mean... The only thing I mean, that's grosser consent, I guess, than if, watching... As, as, if yeah. she's into it, and you don't actually you, like, cause yucker. permanent damage, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to be a, a um, you got yucker. a real army hammer situation <laughs> over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, Actual cannibal John Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the only thing the only thing grosser to me than the music video where he's just playing guitar like on a futon, um, singing these words to a woman like a couple feet away from her and making unswerving eye contact. Oh no! The only thing gro- the only thing grosser than that to me is just like thinking about a woman being like, ah, oh, yes, that's exactly mm-hmm. how I want you to talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know just what to say, John Mayer. Yeah. Oh my God. There's. There's like like this song could have been really sweet and really kind of charming. There's like little hints of what it could have been here and there. Yeah. And if you want love, we'll make it. Swim in a deep sea of blankets. That's pretty good. I take all your big plans and break them. This is bound to be a while. That's kind of sweet yeah. and a little sexy to be like, y'all your big plans? We're breaking those plans cuz this is going to take a while, baby. That's kind of sexy. That's kind of hot. Yeah, and there there is something very um oh, where is it where is it there there's a line that to me feels very gendered a lot of this is very gendered but mm-hmm. um here it is here it is here it is one thing i've left to do discover me discovering you Ugh. um which is that's such a it's such a gendered um approach and i'm not trying to say that this is necessarily bad this is I mean, gender is good for a lot of people, um, regardless of their assigned gender, you know, like people Mm -hmm. find gender euphoria, you know, in these Mm -hmm. sorts of roles. But what he's talking about here is a very particular uh, posture of sexuality, which is male sexuality is about objectifying someone else um, and having an experience in themselves of how they experience someone else. There's these like, great our uh we got some landscapers oh <laughs> nearby we got a cool uh guest we didn't even have to pay for yeah cool <laughs> Love I'll, have, it. I'll sign the waiver um i'm sure that's making it its way into the recording um yeah god what was he saying oh yeah yeah that's it's very gendered and it's like there's something it's like again almost there because it's like there is something beautiful and vulnerable about someone 
you know, having cons- any kind of consensual sex and enjoying their experience of it. Mm-hmm. But there's this lack of sort of awareness there mm-hmm. that makes me feel like it's fundamentally unsafe. Yeah. And I think that's that that was that little like subtext was picked up by the genius annotator for that line who says experiencing your conquest may be as educational as it is sensual conquest that's uh yeah just take the i'm gonna downvote that yeah me too oh man i'm I'm not logged in anymore oh here we go good (laughs) it remembered my login information i'm voting that down me too um yeah discovering me discovering you um yeah and it's also yeah it's also this idea of like he's he's like using these like women to figure shit out about himself or to try to fix himself yeah um and it does not feel very trustworthy no also he says baddie (laughs) you're You're bad (laughs) he's kind of a sheep a little bit you're mad he is a wonderland uh it's just it's uh, uh this chorus your body is a wonderland your body is a wonderland i'll use my hands your body is a wonderland never has a line come so out of left field and sounded so mechanical and off-putting and gross than to yeah. say i'll use my hands not saying what about or to do what not even like i'll touch you just i'll use my hands yeah. Oh, that's really off. When is the when is the idea of a wonderland? Like when is that like a theme park? Like that concept? You know, you know, like the 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 old nickel arcade. I think they have one of these up in Portland. There's a place called Wonderland where you'd go and like yeah, with a U, Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. Wonderland, Wonder yeah. Wonderland. Um, went to have a television commercial. <laughs> yeah, they had a television commercial that they had played in local markets every once in a while. And you would That's go in. That's how it went? I don't yeah, remember that. They, they sang it to uh, <laughs> the Macho Man. Macho Man, yeah. Yeah. And you would, you would go in with a bunch of, you would have dollar bills, you'd exchange it for nickels, and you'd go in, you'd play like your metal slug, and you'd pop in like nickels instead of quarters. It was amazing. It was a great place. And that's the what one I a woman's to, body is to the, John Mayer. Yeah, you just put, I'm going to fill you with nickels, baby. <laughs> Where's your coin slot? Uh, um, wow. Uh, I, I went to Wonderland as a kid with my dad. I think to the original location, oh. I think, in hmm. Tualatin. Hmm. And they had this free section. They had essentially all of these... Um, all a, a whole section of non-ticket oriented games that oh. were just free to play. That's amazing. So like my like like Street Fighter mm-hmm. or Double Dragon or Battletoads or whatever. All that shit was free. Mm-hmm. You still had to pay entrance to get into Wonderland and then you know put your right. nickels in or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we would just like use, save all of our nickels for getting the tickets so mm-hmm. that I could get you know. A parachute man <laughs> or, or some shit just the worst toys ever made at tootsie roll <laughs> yeah this tootsie roll only cost me five dollars and 15 cents <laughs> uh, let's go to wonderland i bet they're gonna open back up soon are they still open yeah oh there's multiple locations still wow still going strong is there still one on Hawthorne? the games cost a number of more nickels yeah, yeah there's still one on Hawthorne. Yeah, no way. Oh man, we should yeah. go. Let's That'd go. That'd be amazing. They got a cheap movie theater there too on the Hawthorne one. Oh, this is yeah. all on record. I'm not editing this. 
um, this is a uh, thank you to our sponsors, Wonderland with you. Wonder, Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> we got to sing that theme song, Cameron. It's part of the contract. Uh, okay. I <laughs> I don't I don't know if we need to talk about anything else. Yeah. In this one, um, yeah, there, there's some kind of the thing I like about John Mayer is that I feel like he does have things to say, and he's a pretty competent songwriter, and his songs are generally pretty easy to parse. Um, I don't always love what he has to say, but I feel like, yeah, we haven't had such a singular voice in a while mm-hmm. um, to talk about, yeah, and that's kind of exciting. A very lyrics-oriented artist is very nice. Yeah. He's like trying and to guitar- say something with his lyrics. Yeah. A guitar uh, oriented. He's like a mu- instrumentalist too. We should listen to one solo. Okay. Will you just pick one of the solos Oops. just so we can hear? Uh, um, let's see. Let's do City Love. It says first guitar solo, I think, from the song okay, City yeah. Love. Yeah, it's not like a riveting solo, mm-hmm. but there's some interesting things going on there. The yeah. form of the solo, you think it's just going to be some sort of like kind of bo- a boring form, but it turns around to uh, the next section, the second section of the solo, like a measure sooner than you think it's going to. Mm-hmm. And then it go, and then it gets harmonically tense. Um, and he makes a lot of obvious decisions, but they're well executed. And there's little moments where he you know comes down to a different note than you think he might or uses a maybe a, a less than predictable pathway maybe mm-hmm. strays from a normal pentatonic um diatonic you know pathway from one note to the other and uh yeah i think it's uh i think it's nice i'm i was expecting more guitar solos in this album i think there are only like 3 or 4 mm-hmm. i'm assuming they're all him um, but I kind of hope to hear some more. It might behoove us to listen to a live album at least once. Oh yeah. Because, uh, he's, he's an instrumentalist and I think that he doesn't write through composed solos when he performs. So it might, it might be good to at least listen to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be a good idea. Great. All right, so I think we're probably going to stop there. Um, there isn't really much else on this album <laughs> very worthy of note. Um, so I think we'll just go ahead and stop there, right? Yeah, let's stop. Okay, great. Um, thanks for listening. All done. Mm? All, All done. done. <laughs> Bye. No, um, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with John Mayer's next album. Uh, uh, what is it called? Shit. It's called Goodness. <laughs> Heavier Things, I think. That's the album cover I remember that everyone had in college. It's not just called More Room for More Squares. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the meantime, you can visit us online at boxset.website. 
email us at email at boxout.website. Tweet us at Tobias Podcast. If you want to support us, you can do it in a couple ways, including writing a review on iTunes, jamming those stars, typing those words. If you want to do it even more directly, support us, that is, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxout.website. Kick us a few bucks. You'll get access to all of our bonus materials, which includes a weekly mini show. And what do we talk about this week, Cameron? We talked about um, Spiral from the Book of Saw. Yes, we did. <laughs> and we talked about uh, The Obelisk Gate, the second book in N.K. Jemisin's The Broken Earth trilogy. And one of them was extremely brutal, and the other was not. Guess you'll have to pay money to find out, though. <laughs> All right. Uh, you, you can also listen to Cameron's other podcast, which is also Get Up, uh, which is also Get it's Up also- in the Cool. <laughs> <laughs> a phrase that hasn't been uttered yet in this episode <laughs> i think so you should also listen to cameron's other podcast i should say uh it yeah. is and is about traditional musics um and it's going back in person maybe fingers crossed knock on wood yeah last week was an in-person episode um this coming week is a uh a remotely record- recorded one um, but then I am going to this weekend, I'm going on a trip to go record four episodes and then I'm going on a trip in July to record hopefully four more episodes. And then I'm hopefully I'll just keep doing that until I, I never have to do a Skype episode again, Hooray! Um, we'll get back into in-person candid music making. And I, I couldn't be more ready. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So go check that out. All right. Well, until next week, I've been Nathan Hunt, and I got a chin job on my birthday last year. (laughs) I've been Cameron DeWitt, and I'm going to fill you with nickels. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) 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 Wonder if we have any Portland listeners that will correct me and say that wonderland is actually on belmont and not hawthorne oh yeah it is on, on belmont i could have sworn it was on hawthorne. <laughs> i'm a dummy